Hello, this is Dan Chagru, and welcome to the More Art Than Science podcast, where I explore the relationship between music and commerce by talking to musicians, mostly guitarists, about how they got their start and how they make ends meet. Beverly Davis has performed on the classical guitar for over 20 years. And as a member of the Providence Mandolin Orchestra, she's appeared in concerts in Germany, France, Luxembourg, Canada, and throughout the U.S. Before she took up guitar as a full-time gig, she worked her way to the vice president level in corporate America at a bank. More on that in the podcast. Mark Davis has been playing, recording, and directing classical guitar and mandolin orchestras for over 30 years. He appears on many, many recordings, including the Grammy-nominated Vienna Nocturne, and has been a featured artist at international events in Spain and Japan. He's the music director of the Providence Mandolin Orchestra and directs a classical guitar program at the Wheeler School in Providence, Rhode Island. I had the pleasure of interviewing Beverly and Mark at the University of Rhode Island Guitar Fest this April 2019. All right, so let's get rolling. So I'm here with Mark Davis and Beverly Davis at the URI Guitar Fest in 2019 here upon us. And um, I guess, um, so hello, Mark. Nice to be here. Great to be here. (laughs) Excellent. So I'd love to start with the beginnings, like, you know, how did you get into music? And maybe, or you know what, what was the first time you remember being moved by music? Oh, gosh, that's a really good question. I can think about that. Okay. Beverly, <laughs> while he's thinking. Or do you well, pay? physically being moved by music. I grew up um, in a family that's very musical. Yeah. Um, not professionally, just all, just a lot of hams in my family, so uh-huh. to speak. Everybody likes to perform. And when I was probably about 11 or 12 years old, my older brother strapped on an electric guitar, a green Gretsch anniversary model and dragged me, you know, up to his performance space and taught me a few chords and I had to play the chords to Freebird until my fingers bled while he practiced the leads. Okay, now so, literally until your fingers bled well, because this is practically until practically, my, okay. Yes, but then I developed the calluses. Yep. So I was um so that was really my introduction to to you know, music and, and playing guitar. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I, once I got away from my older brother, mm-hmm. I was able to uh, do my own thing. <laughs> Branch out, blossom into your own right. person. So when he had that performance space, did he have like a giant Marshall stack that he could play so loud yes. that, it, that it did literally move your insides? Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right. Yes. Great. Yes. And he still so actually to this day, still has he's, it. he's still doing it. Yes. Good for him. Yes. <laughs> and, and and so and at that time you weren't taking lessons. How old were you? You were. I was about twelve. You were twelve. Maybe. Okay. And your folks had what? What did your folks do for a living? My uh, my family. My father had a um, a commercial linen supply. Okay. And supplied hotels and hospitals in the Manhattan, New York area. New York. Okay. Okay, and so not a not a professional musician. No. What, did did he have a particular interest in music? No, actually, it was my mother that was really the the uh, the musician. She's cool. a singer. She's uh, still singing to this day. She's yeah. going to be eighty seven and is still out performing. Awesome. 
And she was performing back then as well? Yeah. 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 Okay. So you had the the music was playing in the house. You've got your big brother who's Mm -hmm. introducing you to rock and roll. And from there, you, what, started to take guitar lessons? Well, then I started to play um, folk guitar. And that was just teaching myself, you know, just... uh, picking up the, you know, the, the needle on a record and listening and playing over and over and, you know, yep. learning all my favorite, you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash yep. or whatever it was at yep. the time. And then I decided I wanted to uh, study classical guitar. And oh, cool. so uh, went to went to college, went to Keene State College. Okay. And yep. at the time when I first went there, they had just started a guitar program. Yes. Okay. And that was in 1976. And they... Um, so I was very fortunate to get in sort of at the ground level of this uh, fantastic guitar program at the time. Yep. And they had one of the, the first guitar orchestra, I think, in the whole country. I mean, that we had probably 30 to 35 guitar majors by the time I, I graduated. And we had a guitar orchestra that had, um, you know, uh, octave guitars, Mm-hmm. Tenor guitars, classic bass guitars. It was it was great. Nice, yeah. yeah. And w- the decision to go to Keene State was w- was there a concern, either from your parents or from you, regarding well, you know, you're going to become an artist. How are you going to how are you going to oh, make definitely, bills? Definitely, definitely. Okay. Uh, from okay. my particularly from you know my father was like your you father know. was the more practical one, right? Yeah, but okay. I was you know as a as a guitarist, I thought I was being very practical, getting a degree in music education. Oh, good. And yeah. I was the only guitar major there that went the education route. Hmm. So consequently, the school didn't know what to do with me <laughs> because they had either the vocal track or the instrumental track. So they had me do both. So I had to do vocal methods. So I was in a class of voice majors do learning vocal technique i can't sing and then i had to learn all the instrumental you know the woodwinds brass the whole thing okay and, and that and so that did my, yeah, yeah did my student teaching with um middle school band wow okay that's that's a, a tough gig i would assume yeah, yeah I, would, I would think um, okay, but then but then you taught for several years, and then no, well, no, I didn't. I graduated from college. I moved to Rhode Island. Wanted to get into teaching. Yeah. Um, tried at that time. That's when I met Mark. Okay. Um, and couldn't I could not find a job teaching music, and one thing led to another, and I ended up um, in a management training program in a in a bank, okay. in a large bank. I got I have a little more detail. How did one thing leads to another and you end up in a bank a little bit more? How does that well, happen? Well, I was You're doing music um, major. Yes, yeah. I was I signed up for a temp agency because I didn't want to commit, you know, I mm. wanted to try different things and yeah. I signed up for a temp agency and the temp agency sent me to various um places and i was what sorry was it economic necessity at that point like you know you've well, got yeah, two, I needed two people a, I needed you needed two job. incomes to i needed just to yes, make it happen okay yes. yeah. I, you know i needed to to make some money so it's like I, i've got um, this music degree I, I i know how to teach can't find a teaching job so i'm just going to go to a temp agency and see what okay. else is out there and yeah. so i you know did various things and i i ended up at a, at a temp temporary position in a bank mm-hmm. And um, this is like a, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but this is like a commercial uh, bank, like a, by the law on the street, like Main Street type of a place, as opposed to like a corporate. Well, bank. it was, it was a uh, fleet, actually, it was Industrial National, oh. but I got into a management training program that I applied to and I was accepted and I did extremely well. And within a year, they had me as an assistant manager in a branch. And two years later, I was a manager. 
Um, and that's got to be one of the worst jobs in the world, <laughs> being a manager of a branch. I mean, you're responsible for everything to, is the parking lot plow to, mm. did you meet your loan and deposit goals for the month? Right. So, but anyway, I, I got out of the retail banking and I went into um, a, a division, uh, an equipment finance division, and I did extremely well there. Uh, I progressed. I became a senior vice president and I was able to retire at age 56, 57. And now I'm doing music full time. But the whole time that I was doing that, I was still playing, but not, I wasn't doing any solo playing. I joined the Providence Mandolin Orchestra and that kept me playing every week. And I, you know, I had my family and, you know, um, career so it was a lot but now i'm now i'm just full-time music so one last question about the bank i'm curious if there's to what do you attribute your success at the bank i mean you don't you didn't have formal training I know. what do you what what do you think sort of helped well, you um helped it click for you well i think it's just um you know it's an interesting question because I would I would never be hired today. Mm. I would never even get a chance to interview today. Mm-hmm. But I just think it was sort of your, you know, your ability to communicate with people and to problem solve and be able to um, learn things quickly. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm I'm slightly biased here, but I'm thinking, okay, communicate. So that's you got that from music and learning to listen and then problem solving um quickly is sort of if you're in an ensemble you need to like figure out how you're right. going to work together or how you're going to figure out what does this piece mean but maybe i'm putting more to the yeah, mouth yeah. now at this point yeah. <laughs> that's what i wanted the answer <laughs> but it's um, yeah communication but, but, the, yeah. but interesting thing for the longest time I sort of kept my music and my business life totally separate. Mm. I, I didn't want to because I was trying to be this, you know, I was this career woman. And yeah. I didn't want them to know that really my passion is, you know. Yeah. And I was sort of embarrassed. I, I, no, I hate to say the word embarrassed, but when um, my resume, I mean, you know, my education mm-hmm. degree is in mu- you know, it was mm-hmm. music education. And here there were master's degrees and finance and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. But then once I realized that, hey, I was doing as well better than a lot of these people, then, um, you know, and then once I recorded um, our duo CD, I said, you know what? Which was what year? Well, that was 2006, I think. It's like, you know what? You know, I need to sell this CD. So then I sort of put it out there and, oh, my God, people couldn't believe it. It was like this secret, you know, that here Beverly is this, you know, classical guitars and here's their cd so that's kind of when it came out and at that point i it didn't matter what you're you're out of the closet i was out of the closet guitarist and and proud exactly (laughs) and i played at some business functions that we had and and it was you know it was kind of fun that's cool yeah but now i'm I'm retired and um you know just doing music full-time yeah that's great now, so Mark. yeah, so so Mark, coming back to the origin story, when did you start playing? And do you well, remember? I was thinking about your original question. Yeah. When was I first moved by music? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, when I was quite young, one of my grandfathers loved music, loved classical music, and I remember being in his house and listening to Chopin on being played on his old record player. Yeah. And he would. He's nocturnal, or you know, just just yeah. quiet, slow Chopin, 
piano music, very romantic. Mm. It made a huge impression on me. Mm. And then that same grandfather took me to hear the Province Philharmonic, and that also made a huge impression That's on good me. For him. Yeah. So I then, mean, how old were you at that time? First from, Philharmonic. From when I was some of my first memories yeah. when I was quite young. Okay. A little bit later, then it was the '60s, and I started listening to folk music, and I was really moved by that. I learned, taught myself five-string banjo. But before that, my dad had got me started on the guitar, mm-hmm. and I was a fast learner. I just loved it. I wanted to learn everything I could. Yeah. And while I was in high school, I, I started teaching my friends and people how to play Puff the Magic Dragon or what, yeah. what finger-picking stuff. I was always sort of drawn to the finger-picking school, like Sandy Bull and um, the, the Finger Pickers. There was something about that that I yeah. knew was, was really great. But not being a very practical person, um, I didn't ever think that I would study music and, and do that for the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. I went to college and graduated from college. And I remember another pivotal moment being at a friend's house in Northern California and hearing Andre Segovia for the first time. And it blew my mind. I had no idea that there was this whole world of classical guitar out there. Mm-hmm. But when I heard that sound, I thought, that's fingerstyle guitar. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know? that's and cool. Then, yeah. So uh, it totally changed my life. I came back to Providence. I signed up for lessons with Hibbert Perry in Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. who also taught mandolin. I started getting into classical mandolin at that point. Um, and then I began um, teaching in, in schools. Uh, I was an adjunct faculty at Southeast Massachusetts University okay. and also University of Connecticut. Ended up teaching at the Wheeler School. Okay, cool. So, so coming back to your, you mentioned your dad taught you guitar originally. Was he a guitarist? Was he uh, doing this on the side? He was side an engineer. Or? He taught yeah. engineering, and he was a woodworker, and he loved music. Yeah, I think he did. did was, he make any guitars with, with he, wood? He bought cases of violin parts and put them together. Wow. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, and he, he, he but he, his specialty was sort of square dance music. He liked to play banjo for square dances in very cool. old Connecticut okay. dance halls. <laughs> okay, so now you're, so you're learning guitar growing up, and you've uh-huh. got been you've, a love of music has been instilled in you, partially thanks to your grandfather. It sounds like, and then at some point I missed in there was there was there a formal like art, bachelor of arts degree or bachelor of, or uh, musicology well, degree? Yes, but laterally, I mean, I went to college and studied history of religions. Oh, okay. And when I got out of there, I went to a Zen Buddhist monastery, and I thought, this is it. This is the culmination of everything I studied. This is exactly where I want to be, except for one thing. There's music only on Buddha's birthday. That only happens once a year. It's not going to work for me. <laughs> well, they have the bell to start and, the meditation, right? There, there was the bell. I could have maybe like be a bell hertz. ringer, but I had a guitar and a banjo and an amplifier and a mandolin in the trunk of my car. This is just not going to work for me. <laughs> so I went to visit my friends, and there they played me Julian Bream, Andre Segovia, and it blew my mind. And it changed my life for the so the rest of my life. I just devoted myself to the guitar. So now, um, so when you mentioned the sound of Segovia, I was thinking to myself that for me that would have been Bream, and then then just now you said Bream and Segovia, and I'm curious, like Segovia, for like yeah. from from my perspective, like you know, bow down to the man, the person who opened up the world to classical guitar, and then Bream, who like. Uh, I don't know, made the sounds that really brought me in. Do you remember Bream's, the Baroque guitar recording uh, yeah. and uh, Pavans by Gaspar Sanz? I heard that piece, and that's the most beautiful piece I've ever heard in my life. If I spend the rest of my life learning to play that piece, I'll be happy. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's go. really, that yeah. piece, I, I, I got to learn how to play that piece. So yeah, yeah. Came home and found a teacher. And 
went to town. And then I went back to school. Then I went back to Rhode Island College okay. and got a, a performance degree from Rhode Island College. Okay. And while doing so, began also teaching guitar there. Wow. Because okay. I was already pretty advanced as a guitarist. Yeah. Even when I, when I I'd had 12 years of playing experience and, you know, before I picked up the classical guitar. Okay. So. Okay. So now, so, now, so at what point uh, Beverly and, and, and Mark meet? Right. We met early on. We got married much, much, much later. That's okay. a whole nother podcast. I okay. Think. That's the marriage podcast. Yes. Right. <laughs> we met in 1980. Uh-huh. When I moved right after I graduated from college on uh, right in 1980 and moved to Rhode Island, didn't know a soul, went mm. into a music store, and I had just gotten married to my first husband. I went into the local music store. I said, what's happening with the classical guitar? And they said, you have to meet Mark Davis. Here's his number. Call him. So I called him, and um, that was uh, the summer of 1980. We met. He introduced so you, me you to the You should join mandolin. my private medlin orchestra. It's a lot like, of okay. like-minded people that like to play And I was used to music. playing in a guitar orchestra, uh-huh. which we played a lot of mandolin orchestra repertoire, except we played them on octave guitars. And so that was great. So I so that's when I first met Mark. But it wasn't until um, twenty years later that we realized that um, uh, we needed to make some changes in our lives. Oh, that's very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 wait. So so before you got married, were you recording together? Or no, no, no. Okay, no. We were working together in the province of the Okay. I think at one point yeah. you were the president. I was the music director since 1989. Okay. So we were sort of colleagues in, through this through this orchestra. Right. Okay. So ensemble we'll, activity. So, okay. So that so that's where you're coming together to play music. Yeah. But in the meantime, you uh, well, you're Beverly. You're working in a bank yes. mostly, and Mark, you're pursuing. You're teaching. Are you well, recording as well? Yes, yeah. yes, because I had a, a quite well-known duo called the Mayor Davis Duo with my first wife, who was a mandolinist, and we uh-huh. had many, many CDs out, okay. including some best-selling uh, Christmas CDs. Oh, and, awesome. and a Grammy-nominated. Oh, Grammy-nominated wow. CDs. So okay. our, our CDs were, were doing very well, and we were performing a lot. So that yeah. plus the teaching was, was keeping so me afloat. I'm, I'm interested in this part. So when sure. the CDs were doing well, in, in what time period? Well, this has been the 80s and the, the 80s, early 90s. Okay. So CDs were, at that time, yeah, everybody, well, CDs were doing well in general, and yours Well, when we started well, out with great. LPs, I have three beautiful LPs nice. that I made yeah. back in the beginning, then turned to CDs. And yep. And in the 80s, CDs were largely going for about 16 bucks each, as I yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, and what, what for a classical or in mandolin duet, what, what is doing well in terms of volume, like a... 50,000 sold less more I don't know I'm 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 not I'm terrible with numbers okay I don't, I don't know. um but it was enough to support you or, or a supplement to Between teaching that, income with two teachers in the house mm-hmm. and the concerts and the CDs yeah we did okay yeah yeah and the CDs were I mean so you're getting enough recognition that you're getting a Grammy nomination so I guess you must have had publications reviewing and so getting some PR oh, yeah. through publications. And we played in some big places, and we, we traveled in Europe and performed in Europe a lot. We did, okay. Uh, you know, Carnegie Hall debut. You know, we started Carnegie did the Hall thing. debut. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we, we were pretty well known. Yeah. And uh, so and so at that at that time, I'm just curious what the the economics of the mm. you know the, the 80s because I don't know if it's a popular there's a I don't know if it's a misconception or not, but that you know at that time royalties were enough. And you would tour, and touring would supplement the royalties. Whereas today, obviously, you can't you can't make money off of CDs, and you can 
barely make money off of Spotify. So that if you want to make money, you, you basically have to tour. And then when you tour, maybe you'll sell a few CDs, you know, from the table or, or what have you. Yeah. Or maybe someone will come home yeah. and buy it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but largely, I mean, the CD sales have right. have disappeared. But I'm I'm curious at that time. So you know, European tour or U.S. tour, Carnegie Hall. At that point, was it the tours that were more lucrative, or the or the royalties from the CDs? Um, I would say the concerts. Concerts, but yeah. In those days, there so were community that, yeah. community chamber music series all over the place. Yeah, you know, and so we could. I was able to play. Hundreds of concerts uh, yeah, a year, right? Yeah. Really? You play like a two hundred well, or hundred and something. One year, I played over hundred concerts in in one year. Awesome! Yeah, and at every concert, you sell some CDs. Right. You know? So yeah. so it, it went hand in hand. Yeah, and the concerts were funded by like I, don't know, I know there's like a Com- community community co- yeah. community concert series around here. There are there are a few. Our orchestra plays a great series in Rehoboth, Mass, called uh, Arts in the Village. Nice. It's a chamber music series. They have our mandolin <clears throat> orchestra every other year. And it's very popular. Yeah, that's a great example of a successful community series. Mm-hmm. But whereas there used to be every, you know, community of size used to have one. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very rare. Now. They're rare now. Yeah, I'm thinking in, in where I live up north of Boston. There's one in Concord where I've seen some some really great shows, but uh, I don't know really of any. I'm sure there are others, but I'm just not familiar. I don't know where they are. Um, and then there's this sort of like grassroots um, group muse thing happening where, you know, web enabled meetings of people at house concerts where people will play yeah. sort of like a pop-up well, we concert. We actually yeah. run in our home in Connecticut, we run a very successful house concert series. Nice. Um, we built an addition to our um, 18th century farmhouse oh, that awesome. can seat 40 people. We mm-hmm. bring in a little stage. Um, we It's a prepaid reservation. Oh, perfect. We yeah. oftentimes have a wine sponsor and, you know, and, it's it's been you know quite successful. Every concert sells out. Later this month, Renee is Kierdo's performing at our house. Oh, cool! Yeah, I'll have to get. <laughs> so well, yeah, we'll have to let the, <laughs> the listeners know, and I'll have to get the info as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so oh, that that is great. Yeah, I've, I've, I know somebody else also near um, Somerville who um, he has a storefront property that he's turned into basically a performance space. He lives on top with his wife and young child and they, uh, same thing. They, the artists come in, pay, and then the artists take whatever they make at the door. Is that more or less what you're, well, we, they, again, it's prepaid reservations. So, yeah. you know, meaning, so they, they would so pay you for the, they, they pay you know, us Thursday in, night so at X advance. amount. Yeah. In in advance. Advance. We, uh-huh. And they all sell out. So we have to get reservations. It's reservations. Required. Reservations only. People can't just show up. And so we typically... I'm sorry, you mean the fans or the artists or both? Reservations only meaning... The audience. The audience has to reserve the seats. Yes, oh, wow. yes. So it's all done by email. We don't advertise in newspapers. We don't... Uh-huh. It's all done by, on, by our email list. Um, we take reservations. People pay us in advance. Typically, yeah. ticket sales are either $25, $30, or $35, depending on the artist. But that includes wine and, you know, food. I make all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we keep enough just to cover our costs. The wine and the food. Or, yeah, you know, and again, if we have a wine sponsor, that's just yeah, helps the artists, you know. Right, so that's right. cool. Um, so it's a it, it's a it's a good deal for, yeah. for the artists. I mean, we've had some you know big names. We, Mike Marshall in the mandolin world has performed there. Um, Chris Brubeck's trio was there wow. a year or yeah. so ago. So 
Yeah, so it's kind of like, a, it's a, sort of a private, I mean, it, I, it's not that we exclude anybody, but right. it's only done by email. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a very, you know, great right. fan base, you know, people that come. And again, every time, every concert sold out. Awesome, yeah. So. And the seating, I'm just coming down to the list, logistics again. So you're getting in emails and you're doing this, what, once a week, once a month? The concerts? Yeah, oh, well, we do, six weeks. No, we do every maybe, maybe we do half a dozen concerts a year. Okay. Or, or yeah. it depends, I mean, it depends on yeah. our own performing schedule, months. too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're... We're busy. Cool. And then, so if you're doing it all over email and you have, you said, what, 40 seats? Yeah. Emails come in. Who's tracking, like, okay, we're I at am. 26. So we you're do, just doing do. that manually. Oh, it's I mean, it's, it's, it just sounds like it'd be kind of a right pain. Now, I'm I'm no, no, no. Okay, well, you're a banker, so you're used to it. Uh, yeah, I'm used to spreadsheets. So I have a little <laughs> yeah. spreadsheet. Yeah, we do that. You know, you know, want four little, seats, you know. write down so and so wants four seats. Yeah. And we keep track. And okay. we'll get, we get them to 40 people. If, okay. You'll write in. Yeah. You can be on a waiting list. Yeah, and then they mail okay. in their checks, you know, or if they're local, they'll drive by and, you know, maybe give me cash or whatever. But, but they'll pay uh, ahead of time. Oh, no, it's pay, it's pay ahead of time. time. And then okay. if people, you know, at the last minute can't come, well, you know. Yeah. Sorry. Right? I mean, do you get your money back at the symphony? No, no. if you don't show up, you don't, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'll say to them, well, you know, is there somebody else you can give your tickets to? Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Cool. All right, so, um, all right, so, so, and did you mention you you also play rock as well, or? Yeah. Yes, yes, I okay. do. I still love my folk music and my rock and yeah. roll music. So I so you play out with some like steel string or something. And, yeah, I got my '53 Tele that I bought when I was a kid. Yeah, tweed and, amplifiers all the way. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> and and, uh, and are are you uh, playing out in a band or how, how does that? From time to time, it's at this point, it's more like my hobby. I guess you'd have to say. Okay. Because you, no, you I'm, not, I'm not out there you know, playing like okay. you know ten to two a.m. every night. No, no, they do. A, your band does a lot of you know. They get benefits. hired to do these like you know fundraising benefit concerts because they've got such a draw when their band. It's called Big Jump, uh-huh. and people love to dance. People, in this band. It's a it's like, great so. dance band. So what is it like? Soul, soul, soul. Metro soul. Okay. Yeah, that nice. Is. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so so now, okay, so you've got the career. You're doing phenomenally well uh, with CDs and touring. You're still banking, and now can we come back to the? You're getting together because because yes. you've you've put out a CD now since well since t- we've been together yeah. yes. yeah so how does that because that now we're I assume, assume like in the 2015 16 okay, 17 well, time well, frame so yeah so we got together in 2000 started playing that's when I started really playing a lot more of mm-hmm. course you know and then my children you know have grown up and, yeah you know flew the nest and so so yeah so we recorded this CD but then we also started doing a lot of um, performing a lot of touring in Europe we played it festivals and um, the, the playing more sorry to interrupt everybody yes. but you mentioned so when you started to play more that was while you were still in the bank or yes you, yes i was still in the bank but so what he, what what sort of prompted that how did well you, mark okay just getting closer to mark he was playing well he's you're like he's got well, some licks i, I mean, gotta get better i've got well, a lot of contacts that's the other thing well he <laughs> wanted he wanted to start playing duos oh okay so, so you're like i better work on this together so yeah okay. so we started to you know uh, the first duos we played were duos uh by the british guitarist ed flower do you know ed i don't flower? know no. he uh published um a series of english folk songs that he did these gorgeous they're not even arrangements they're compositions around these these melodies and we've recorded a number of them 
But it was when we heard that Ed's CD, we just thought these were just so gorgeous. Let's, oh gosh, we have got to learn these. Nice. And uh, we did. And right. one of them is like our signature piece. We even played it at our own wedding. Nice. Um, so, but, the, but then that's when I started to really play a lot more. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And then since then, we've played all over Europe. We've done concerts. We've been in Australia. We've... Um, and and those gigs come on because your name helps there to to book these gigs. Okay, I'm, I'm being the director of the Province Management Orchestra for such a long time, and having my guitar mandolin duo back in the '80s, I've developed mandolin contacts all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the I was invited to go to Australia to one of their big conventions and direct their guitar section one at one year and direct the orchestra another year. Mm. There are great Spanish festivals and international festivals in Germany and France and um, that we're aware of and we've, we've gotten to play at. Did you, so, so did you play last year in the mandolin orchestra here or did you see it? He's the director. No. Oh, you, no, oh, no. There, there were several mandolin orchestras. Okay. That, that's um, L'Esperance mandolin orchestra. Oh, okay. We played last year with our trio, the Hampton Trio, in which I play Italian mandolin, Beverly plays classical guitar, and our friend Bob Margo plays mandola. Okay. So that's a trio that, tra- that travels internationally. We, we played in Spain last summer. Cool. And um, that's one of our many mandolin groups. The Providence Mandolin Orchestra is, is the, the orchestra that I direct, and we'll be performing at the URA Guitar Festival on su- Sunday. Tomorrow. Sunday, okay, tomorrow. And, and we're doing a concerto with Adam. Oh, right, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a really, really, really cool that's piece. Awesome. There again, that's yeah. a contemporary Spanish piece that we heard about, and I heard, and I thought, that's a great piece. I need to find a guitarist that can handle this really difficult mm-hmm. modern Spanish language and then I ran into Adam, Adam he was, yeah, he was yeah. like our guy like, I'm your guy yeah <laughs> and so yeah it's a wonderful piece uh, I can't wait to perform it tomorrow I think uh, people are going to really 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 enjoy it very very cool yeah, yeah so we have the Hampton Trio then we have this other group that we put together called the New American Mandolin Ensemble which we put together in 2013 awesome and this we put this together because I was receiving so many n- new uh, compositions for Plex String Ensemble that's we call it a plex string ensemble because we have two guitars, mm-hmm. two mandolins, a bass, and a mandola. So as long as you're plucking, you're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and there's there's people all over the world writing really wonderful new compositions for this combination. Wow. And I I I, I had more than I could use with the Providence Mandolin Orchestra, and frankly, some of the stuff maybe was too difficult. Um, so I put together this group of, of professional players. Uh, to to learn and, and promote contemporary music that's mm-hmm. being written, and also to represent the USA at international festivals. Oh, cool! So every couple of years, we will go over and do a big festival in Germany or Spain or England or somewhere. Mm-hmm. So this has been a, a really fun project. Awesome! Great group of people. New American Mandolin Ensemble. And this is so. And this is the the, the CD of the two of you. Mm-hmm. Airs and, and dances for two guitars. Airs and dances for two guitars. Um, is there singing as well? Oh no! Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Um, and so tell me a little bit about, you know, how this comes out or, who, you know, who's the label? Is this, do you use the same label for all these things? How do they get involved? And then no, we don't have a label. We, we do, we, CDs these days are a commitment. Basically, if you want to do a CD, you can do it yourself and yeah. put out as many uh, copies as you can afford and then try to get your money back. Yeah. It's not going to happen uh, with digital downloads, I'll tell you that. Right. But if you give enough concerts, you can sell a couple of these at every concert. And yeah. 
So what, if you don't mind me asking, how many of would you press, you know, say, your first run? Or I think we did 1,000. I think 1,000. Oh, okay. Wow. That's, you can do 500, but not that much more to do. Right, right. So, yeah. so we'll be those, selling those. Right. And, I mean, that's, a, that's available on CD Baby, but also digital downloads. Yeah. So it's on Spotify as well? It's, yes. Or, okay. Yep. And do you... And you can even ask Alexa. To play it? That. Oh, cool. I, Alexa, play Mark and Beverly Davis. And Try she that. does. That's and surprising. what is she connected to? She connects to Spotify or, I, you know, sure. or Amazon Music, it must be. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I know we're not friends with Alexa, yeah, so we don't, we don't know. know. We yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not <laughs> very close to Alexa. She doesn't live at our house, but, uh, but she does play our music. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess she's all right with us. <laughs> right, or she has some sort of deep, dark... Uh, evil plan for your music. It could well, be. there, then there's that. Which we'll yeah never know about. Um, uh, okay, so so all right, so you've you you print them uh, and you've got them on digital download. Do you get anything from Spotify oh, ever? Oh, you get point oh oh one cent. That's better than the other artists I've talked to. Oh, maybe it's point. Hang on, maybe it's point oh oh eight. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Point oh 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 eight. Yeah. So yeah. basically, you're giving you basically you're giving it away, and so that people will come to your concerts, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And we get that through CD Baby, you know. Once so, CD um, Baby's taking a cut somehow, or you would assume. I, yeah, um, but that's how. But it's we per get, stream, it, yeah. Sorry, yeah. but it just uh, take it takes a long time to get. You know, They're not enough. sending you a check monthly, you mean? No. Okay. <laughs> In other words, for it to be like worthwhile to cut the check, it's like right. you got to wait. Exactly. Like, okay, yeah. exactly. Yeah, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you don't make any money on the digital downloads. It's really, it's, it's really sad. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, so I believe, I have a friend who works for Spotify um, and uh-huh. I, no, he's a good person. <laughs> um and the way that he explains it, and I think it makes a certain amount of sense. Uh, well, he 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 you do a much better job than I can of explaining the benefits of Spotify. One, obviously, is just access to all types of music anytime, anywhere. Sure. You can listen to anything in the world you want, which is pretty freaking cool. Right. Um, uh, but the other is that um, um, you know, it, 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 making a parallel to radio is is not really fair, right? I mean, if the radio plays your song once, obviously, you get a lot more money for that play, but also it's reaching you know, 30,000 to a million people. Mm-hmm. Whereas a play on this is for one person. Mm-hmm. And I click it and play, mm-hmm. press play. It wouldn't make sense for it to be anywhere near the radio payout per stream. Beverly looks like she's about to smash me into the wall, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> do not defend Spotify's business model. No, I know. And, and, and uh, I, I know that. Your point. I understand your point. Yeah. And, and I, I realized that uh, I'm trying to think, I don't know if it was. Beyonce or one of the Taylor her, Swift was it Taylor Swift was who's, it, who's who had the big loss of the she didn't put her music out oh uh, yeah the, well so there was another story relatively recently I, I think yeah. that's that's also there's a few sort of apocryphal stories but one was the the most streamed um, song of uh, 2018 made some abysmally low amount for right. that artist and it was you know I think it was something like eighty thousand dollars which is not abysmally low for you know, a struggling artist, but for someone who's, if that's like the highest you can possibly hope to make, then there's probably, you know, some sort of a problem. Um, so yeah, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a challenge in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like to do the podcast because everyone that I speak to is, is says essentially I'm not making money on Spotify. No, but it's live yeah. music. I mean, it's back to yeah. playing 
real music for real people, you know, yeah. like live, you yeah. know, in these and in, in these small settings, particularly for classical guitar. I mean, house yeah. concerts are like the perfect setting. I love it. Yeah. You know, chamber music. Yeah. And, you know, that's at least, I mean, you know, it's a decent paying, decent paying gig. Yeah, yeah. And are, so are you still teaching, Mark? Is it, is, is, I teach privately in okay. my own studio. And yeah. is that that's something that you still love, enjoy? I love to teach. Yeah, sure. Okay. sure. Okay, so that's not like, you know, oh, you know, I wish I could spend more time on guitar, but I got to teach. It's more like, oh, I like to teach. Well, I, I have a few students. We live in northeastern Connecticut. It's pretty remote where we live. And so I just have a few students. And I'm yeah. fine with that because... Yeah. We have to, you know, take care of our chickens and and practice for hours a day. Yeah, we get to do that now. Yeah, which I love. Cool. Um, okay, so if I'm thinking about rapping, and I'd sure. love to uh, f- feature a song for the outro, and I'd love for it to be from your the CD that oh, sure, both of you sure. are on. Is there a particular track on here that sure. we can? Let's do our favorite. Well, which, let's see. No, I think it's um, the Lassipades Mill, which is um, track track eight. Track eight. Okay. Cool. Anything else you wanted to tell the world or share? Or um, keep playing live music, play for people, um, and listen to live music. And listen to live and go music. and support each other. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And play music with each other. Uh, we do a lot of ensemble playing, from our duo to our trio to our sextet to our orchestra, and every time we we share music with another person, we get just uh, this amazing charge. Yeah. of energy and love and spirit out of it. It's it's just the best thing. That's some advice that I can take. I've gone off of playing with other people since mm. the rock stuff died down. Mm. I love the solo because I don't have to wait for anyone else to show up. I don't have to like... Oh, yeah, guys, rehearsals are easier. Rehearsals are so much easier, <laughs> but, right. but no, there's some parts yeah. of it that I miss. Like, you know, there's the, the working off of each other. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good advice. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much. Well, You're thank welcome. You for thank you. Us. Yes, very enjoyable. We are about to wrap things up here at the More Art Than Science podcast. But before we do, allow me to beseech you: if you like this podcast, please give it a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Doing so helps others find the show, which in turn helps the artists that I interview find more fans, which in turn helps fill the world with more and better music. Do your bit. Here it is from Mark and Beverly Davis, The Lass of Patey's Mill.